Welcome to Grappling. It's Monday afternoon. Time for Talking About Theology. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, joining you for the next hour to talk about, in fact, we're going to talk about today, uh, seven myths about death and dying, and we're going to take the whole hour and talk through it. So you and me, you the listener, me the host, talking about death. Sounds exciting. The idea is to have the most fun talking about death that you've ever had uh, as we get after uh, these seven common myths that we think about death. I, I, this comes up every year. In fact, it comes up all the time when people talk about, um, when, when, when people go to funerals, when people are there at the deathbed of their loved ones, when people are trying to mourn and grapple with, uh, with death and dying, and, and we hear all sorts of crazy uh, things, but it's not, oftentimes it's not the right thing to do right in the throes of suffering to say, hey, uh, you know, you're wrong. Your grandma does not become an angel. That is, you know, it's not often not the right time to do that. So we want to do it now when we're driving around, thinking about the Bible, thinking about these sorts of things as well. I want to invite you to join me. The best way to do that is going to be by telephone. I'll give you the numbers. If you're in St. Louis, it's 314-821-0850. Or anywhere in the universe with phones, 800-730-2727. Again, 800-730-2727. You can join, uh, you can call. And if you have funny things that you've heard about death, if, if there's been um, some funny things that uh, that people have, uh, that you've heard at funerals or ideas that you've heard, I want to talk about those as well. So uh, so please give us a call. Talk to Stephanie there. She'll put you through, and we can talk about it. So, seven myths about death and dying. This comes from an old list I wrote with a friend of mine, Pastor Jared Melius. He ended up writing an article. You can actually find his article. It's a brilliant article. Uh, Why Easter Matters. It was published back, oh, probably eight years ago in the Lutheran Witness. So if you Google Why Easter Matters, Melius, that'll, that'll come up. My list is slightly different than, from his. It's mostly the same. Uh, we we uh, have a couple of different myths that we talk about there. Uh, and so um, we'll maybe try to put a link up to that on the podcast as well. But here here's myth number one. Are you ready? And you've, you've heard this before. Uh, but we want to get right after it and say, no, no, this is not true. And that is this, that death is natural. Death is natural false death is not natural but you hear it all the time i mean this is the kind of the circle of life kind of stuff uh you know you're watching um what is that movie the lion king and elton john starts singing and it's the circle of life and so the baby is born and then it, it lives and then it gets old and it dies and it goes back to the ground where it came from and it's all part and and then out of the ground comes more it's it's the idea that that this is how things are supposed to be that death, this is how this is often said, that death is part of life. And to this, we Christians want to say with an unequivocal voice, with an unafraid voice, no, death is not natural. Death is not part of life. You, you were not created to die. It's not how it's supposed to be. Your body and soul were never supposed to be separated from each other. That's, by the way, the definition of death, the unnatural rending of body and soul. And your body and your soul were never supposed to be apart from each other. They were always supposed to be together. That's how God designed you. It's how he designed Adam and Eve, our parents. They weren't supposed to die either. They were put in the garden to live. There, there in the garden was a tree called the tree of eternal life. And they were supposed to eat from that tree and live forever. That was God's intent with creation. In fact, not only is death not natural, death is an evil. 
death is let's get let's make sure we right at the very beginning we say this that death is the punishment for sin it, on the day that you eat of it dying you will die the lord says to adam in the garden so that and and paul repeats this beautifully he says the wages of sin is death death is a wage of sin it's what you get paid for sinning it's the result of sin it's not just what happens it's a pun death is a punishment death is an enemy now, th this is an important sort of thing because, because we want to recognize first that death is our enemy. We, the, we have this picture in the book of Revelation of the horsemen, the four horsemen, charging out down after us. And you just got to imagine that you're – so imagine this. You're running down the street, and here come four of your enemies, and they're riding on a horse behind you, and they're going to run you over. That's, that's the picture of these four horsemen, and death is that last horseman. It's, it's – it's running you down, and so your whole life, as you get closer and closer to the grave, it's like hearing those footsteps coming up behind you. Here comes the horse, and it's going to run you over, and you're running for your life. <laughs> oh, it's going to come and get me. But you can't outrun it. None of us can. Nobody has ever outrun death and the grave. So that death is our enemy. And, and uh, it's called the last enemy. Paul preaches like this in 1 Corinthians 15. That, oh, that's your homework, by the way, this week, to go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The great resurrection chapter. And Paul says in there, he says that the last enemy to be defeated is death. So that death is your enemy. Death is not your friend. This is one of these ideas that you've got to get used to dying, that you've got to come to terms with death. No, you do, you do not have to come to terms with death. That's a myth that's not even on the list. But you know, you hear people say this all the time. You've got you to come to terms with death. No, you do not have to come to terms with death. Jesus doesn't come to terms to death with death. And that's, the, that's one of the greatest things about this understanding that death is not natural, but rather that death is the enemy, the punishment for sin. Because not only is death our enemy, death is Jesus' enemy. He doesn't have to make it his enemy, but he does. Jesus takes up the war against death, our war against death, and he's going to fight it himself. This is why whenever Jesus sees somebody die, he says, no, not on my watch, buddy. And he raises them from the dead. Lazarus, raised from the dead. Son of the woman at Nain, raised from the dead. Daughter of the Capernaum nobleman, raised from the dead. He, not on my watch. I didn't come to let you die. I didn't come. I came that you might have life, says Jesus, and life abundantly. And that means eternal life, but it, it means a victory over death. That's what Jesus brings. Jesus hates death. He doesn't like it. Jesus doesn't come to terms with it. Jesus doesn't get used to death. In fact, so little does Jesus like death that he stays in the grave, what, for three days and says, I'm done. Even before the sun comes up on the required day to fulfill the prophecy, the sun come, before the sun comes up, Jesus says, that's enough. I've had enough. No, no more dying for me. This, this idea that death is natural, that death is something that we have to get used to, that death is something that we have to put up with, is false. Death is the enemy. But it's the defeated enemy. <laughs> this, is, this is so nice. That, that, that Jesus, when he takes up the fight against death, he wins. He doesn't stay dead. He doesn't stay in the grave. Remember we had this uh, in, the, in, in Luther's Easter preaching. He says that you, he, he pictures the grave like a mouth that swallows Jesus, but it chokes and it spits him back out. And it dies in the meantime. That Jesus is the end of death, the death 
of death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But praise be to God who has uh, given us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how 1 Corinthians 15 ends. So that death is defeated in the resurrection of Jesus. If you want a picture of it, um, I've got a couple of pictures. I used to have a cat. When we were growing up, we had a cat. <laughs> and the cat, for whatever reason, had horrible breath. I mean, you could smell the cat when it came into the room. <laughs> and you're just sitting there watching TV or whatever, and you think, oh, goodness, what happened? And you realize a cat came in there. So we, so we took the cat to the, to the vet and said, this cat's mouth smells terrible. Could you fix it? And so the, the, the vet said, yeah, your cat has rotted teeth. <laughs> and so the option is you can brush the cat's teeth every day or we can pull the teeth. And I can see this little bitty, like, cat toothbrush. And I was trying to imagine my dad there trying to hold the cat still, br brushing his teeth. <laughs> this would be the great. And so my dad says, I mean, without even missing a beat, my dad says, pull its teeth. So we had, uh, so the cat's uh, teeth were pulled. Now this was a pretty frisky cat. It was kind of, I mean, it would, <laughs> this cat would, uh, it would jump on your hand and it would start biting you and attacking you and everything else like this. And it didn't stop when we pulled its teeth out. So I, I remember you could be sitting there and just, you know, have your hand over the chair or whatever, and the cat would come and it would grab onto your hand and it would start, it would start eating your your fingers, but it would just be gumming you. There's no teeth. <laughs> There's this ferocious animal sitting there with its gums all ravaging, you know, trying to eat it. The cat is an amazing kind of cat. It still ate hard cat food even without any teeth. But this is the picture of death. This is the picture of the grave after Jesus is finished with it. He's knocked the teeth out of the grave so that the grave comes along all ferocious to attack you, but it just gums you to death. There's no edge. There's no teeth there. I'll get you. Or, or picture it like this way. Here's, here's, a, here's the picture that I have for the kids. If you could picture uh, that you're, we're all in a room together, and, f and, fly, and what flies into the room is a huge bumblebee. I mean a gigantic, like, toaster, a, a loaf of bread size bumblebee. And that bumblebee is labeled for us, to make the illustration make sense, death. And it's flying around, and it's got this nine-inch stinger. And, this, and the, the poison is dripping out of the stinger, of death and we're all running for our lives because we're all allergic to the we you know we've allergic to this thing it's going to destroy us but uh, but into the room comes Jesus and instead of hiding Jesus puts out his hands and this bee this death goes and it plants its stinger right in the palms of Jesus and pumps all of its venom into Christ and he dies and now you know what happens when a bee die, when a bee stings somebody. This is I learned this the other day. When a bee stings somebody, the stinger falls out, and it's not a bee anymore. It's just a housefly. It's just annoying. It's just flying around, but it it can't. It has no power to to sting you. And and after a bee stings someone, they can fly around for a little bit, but they eventually die themselves. This is what Jesus does to death. He takes the sting out of death. Remember Paul said, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But praise be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us the victory over death.
Death is nothing to be afraid of now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you see. So that Jesus has won the victory. Death is not natural. That's the first myth. That's not, but it is overcome by the death and resurrection of Jesus, which gets us to the second myth. I, I by the way, you're listening to Cross Defense. We'll take a, uh, a little pause in our myths right here uh, to, to talk about what we're doing. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and you're, we're talking about today the seven myths of death and dying, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of these. If you're in St. Louis, you can call uh, 314-821-0850 or 800-370-2727, anywhere in the world. If you've heard some of these funny ideas about death, I'd love to hear what they are as well. But here's myth number two. After death, a Christian will be judged. We hear this myth all the time, most especially in jokes. You know how the joke goes, that you die and you arrive at the gates, and there is St. Peter, who's going to be uh, determining if you get in or not. That's the, that's the joke that we have. But it is a myth. We have this beautiful passage from Jesus in St. John chapter 5, where Jesus says that those who are in Christ have passed from death to life. So that there is, Romans 8, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you, wanna, if you want the skinny on this, that our judgment, the judgment that has to happen, if we will be in eternal life or in eternal death, the judgment for the Christian happened on the cross. That's where Jesus was dying for us. He was judged in our place. So that all of the wrath of God that you deserve and that I deserve, all of it was poured out on Christ. It was dished out on him. So that there is no more judgment. I mean, how, what, could, what is there left to judge? What sin have you committed that hasn't been covered by the blood of Jesus? What guilt do you have that is not forgiven? What failure is there that is not over, that has not been overlooked? You see that the gospel means that we pass from death to life. So there is no condemnation for us. There is no judgment for us. There is only glory. Or we could say it like this. If there is a judgment for the Christian, it is the judgment that we are innocent. <laughs> we, we often forget about this, right? We forget that we, we hear the word judgment and we think condemnation. But when there's a court case, the judge can judge two different ways. The judge is going to state the verdict, and the verdict is going to be either that a person is guilty or that a person is innocent. And we are judged to be innocent by the death of Jesus on the cross. And so the Christian doesn't have to fear dying and standing there before the judgment seat of God. Jesus stood in that place for you already. The Christian doesn't have to fear not making it in. Jesus says, I, I, I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, would I have told you that in my Father's house there's many rooms? No, the Christian doesn't need to fear judgment because, because the judgment has happened on the cross. All right, that's two myths down. Myth one, death is natural. Nope, death is the unnatural punishment for sin. And myth number two, after death a Christian will be judged. False. The judgment has happened already. we got five more to go. We're going to take a break now. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. You're listening to KF Cross Defense on KFUO Radio. If you want to be part of the show, uh, don't, don't hesitate. Give us a call, 314-821-0850 or 800-370-2727. Uh, and jump in. It's a good time to do it during the break now. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
Hi, this is Gary Duncan, the Executive Director of KFUO. You've heard me say many times that this is your radio station. As a supporter of KFUO, you have joined together with us in proclaiming Christ to the world. Join us for our Focus on Christ Planning Our Future event on Saturday morning, October 6th at 10. You must register for this event, so call me at 314-996-1511 or email me at gduncan at kfuo.org. As we plan for our future, it would be a blessing for us to get your input and ideas. After all, as I said, this is your radio station. This event will be informative and enjoyable with door prizes, lunch, and time to fellowship. Again, mark your calendar for Saturday, October 6th at 10 a.m. and call me to register at 314-996-1511 or email gduncan at kfuo.org. That's gduncan at kfuo.org. Help us as we focus on Christ and plan our future. Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. One easy way to share the hope and comfort we have in Christ is through liturgical cards and art. Agnus Dei Liturgical Arts provides that assurance as each card contains a Bible verse meant to bring comfort to the receiver. The cards can be used throughout the year. Agnus Dei art selection of reproductions are also perfect for your home, your pastor, seminary students, or confirmation. AgnusDeiArts.com That's A-G-N-U-S-D-E-I-Arts.com Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their metal against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. Hey, welcome back to Cross Defense. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, your host. We're talking about seven myths about death and dying, which are, oh, there's so many myths out there, so many false and bad ideas about what death is and how the Christian faces death. This big, the big one is that death is natural. No, it's, it's not natural. The other one is that after, after, um, after dying, we go to be judged. That's also not true. I, I pulled up the text during the break. This is a beautiful text. We should write it in gold in our hearts. It's, it's John chapter 5, verse 24, where Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. <laughs> shall not, did you, I mean, this is what Jesus says. He shall not come into judgment. You shall not come into judgment. You have passed from death to life. I remember the first sermon that I preached. Casey was the man's name. And I got to stand up there and say to the family who was mourning, I got to say to them, Casey is not dead, but he's finally alive. From our perspective, we live and then we die, but from the Lord's perspective, we die and then we live. We pass from death. We don't pass from life to death. We pass from death to life. That's what Jesus says, which is great. You know, the old existentialist philosophers, 
they always used to talk about uh, being towards death or something like that, how we're all kind of marching in our own mortality. Every day we're getting closer to the grave. And Paul says something similar. He says every day we're closer to the Lord's return than the day we are before. But there's a way that the Christian knows that we're not getting closer to death. The farther we get from our baptism, the farther away we are getting from our death. We died with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism so that as we live from our baptism, we're getting farther from death and closer to life, closer to life eternal. That's the picture from the scriptures. You will not you will not be judged. That's myth number two. Myth number three is when you die, you become an angel. Now, if you've heard some of these myths, I'd love to hear from you, by the way. The way to get onto this show is to call the number 314-82105. Let's try that again. I never can get the phone numbers right. It's too many numbers in a row. Here we go. 314, you're dialing while I'm telling you, 314 Eight two one zero eight five zero or one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. Myth number three: When you die, you become an angel. Now they have their wings. Now Aunt Josephineetta is looking over us. This is a common, and I don't, I don't know where this comes from. I'd love to know the idea, but now, but, but the idea is that there's a that when you die, you go. Uh, to become an angel. Now, maybe, maybe this myth comes from the fact that angels are spirits, just spirits. They don't have bodies. And when we die, our spirit is separated from our body, so we also are spirits without bodies. Now, but there's a major difference. The angels were created to be that way, and we were not. I mean, we are soul and body joined together. That's what it means to be a human being. That's why death is unnatural. The separation of body and soul is not supposed to be that way. You're never in, God never intends for you not to have your body, and yet when we die, we do temporarily. We'll talk about that, the temporariness of heaven in just a little bit. But but the idea that when you die, you become an angel is simply not the right, it's, it's simply a, a bad understanding. Angels are angels and people are people. Always unique. Always, Always very different. Angels, for example, travel back and forth between God's throne and where we are now, but the saints who die are gathered to the throne of Jesus. They are there before the Lord, like Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the angels can come and serve us, and, then, and, and they always behold the face of God in heaven. How that is, we don't know, but that's, that's what the Bible says. But no, not for those who die. They are removed from us. That's why any sort of trying to reach the dead or communicate with the dead or any sort of understanding of the dead interacting with us is strictly forbidden in the scriptures. Necromancy, it is called. So while the angels serve us, the saints that have gone before us do not. So there's a distinction. Now, th this has to do, this is a really interesting thing because I get this question all the time. People say, um, will we recognize our loved ones in heaven? And to that we have to say, well, yeah, of course. I mean, why wouldn't we? I mean, I suppose we don't know how it is that we're able to see and how it is that we're able to hear and how it is that we're able to experience things without a body. But we are, according to the scriptures, we are still ourselves even after we die. I don't cease to be Brian Wolfmuller just because my Brian Wolfmuller body is buried in the grave and my Brian Wolfmuller spirit ascends to the throne of Jesus in heaven. I still am Brian Wolfmuller. And I suppose in some ways we'll be able to recognize each other perhaps even better than we do now. To know each other better than we do now, at least the saints of God that are in heaven. To be able to rejoice in our true identities. What, um, 
we're not hiding. This is um, this is one of the kind of marks of humanity since the fall is that we're hiding. We're covering ourselves up. We're you know Adam and Eve as soon as they fall into sin are are looking for the fig tree or fig leaf to cover the to cover the the shame of their nakedness and so forth. And so there's a way that that after the fall we're we're kind of um. Uh, we're always covering ourselves and trying to cover our shame, and that'll be done when we die. When we go to heaven, it'll be, be done. We'll be able to to know, and even as we are fully known, as some of the language of the Bible. Probably the best picture that we have in the scriptures of this is the story that Jesus tells of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember this? Now, this is how it was when people were dying before the before the resurrection of Jesus. But they go down, and 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 the and Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, and the and the rich man is over in in hell suffering, and and the rich man looks up and he sees Lazarus, and he recognizes him. He recognizes him from his front porch. He recognizes him as the guy he would walk by as the dogs were licking his sores and he wouldn't help him at all. He recognizes him there. So he sees him. So will we recognize our loved ones in 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 heaven? Well, yeah, absolutely we will. We will st- and we will still be people. We will still be um uh, ourselves, our full personality. It's not we we do not become angels. So that is the third myth that we want to bust while we're death myth busting here. You become an angel. Myth number four, and here's an important one, and important for us to think about in these days. Myth number four is this. When you die, you are through with your body. I I hear this myth all the time when people say, hey, you know, when I'm dead, just put me in a cardboard box and throw me in the lake. I, I'm not there anymore anyways. I remember being at the... I remember being at the casket of someone who was. It was it was a woman who was. I was standing by a a woman who was at the casket of her mother. And she said, looking at the body of her mom, she said, "That's not my mom. My mom's not there anymore." Now, in a way, there is some profound truth to that. I mean, the thing that looks, the thing that has life, the thing that that smiles. The animating principle, the spirit uh, that in, infuses our bodies and gives us all the stuff that we call life, that that is gone. But what, when you are sitting there looking at the body, what are you looking at? You you are looking at you are looking at the hands of the of the woman who braided your hair when you were growing up. You're looking at the feet that ran to help you when you were in need. You're looking at the lips that spoke wisdom to you, that kissed you on the top of the head when it was time to go to bed at night. What do you when you're looking at the body of your mom or your dad? You're looking at their body. It's them. It's it's them still. It's and and the and they're not done with that body. The body that dies is the body that's raised. There is a continuity between the dead body and the resurrected body. Now, and and this is, we, 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 you might be listening and say, well, how you know how can that be? But we know it instinctively. We know that as Christians, because it's the if if there was not a continuity between the buried body and the raised body, if the Lord in the resurrection created a totally new body for us, then the grave of Jesus wouldn't be empty. But it's the body that's laid in the grave is the body that's raised. So that our graves will be as empty as the grave of Jesus. 
Now, now the reason why this is so, I mean, there's so many reasons why this is so important that, we, it, that it is a myth that when you die, you're through with your body, that, that, is, that we recognize that that is not true. And, and, I mean, maybe we can talk about three or four different implications of that. Number one, it matters because this is what keeps us from being full-on Gnostics. Gnosticism is a, like a parasite theology. Stick with me on this one. It's important. Gnosticism is this idea that, that nature is bad or evil or whatever, and that the spirit is what's good. Gnosticism creeps into every different religion. So there's Jewish Gnosticism, Kabbalah, there's Islamic Gnosticism. The whole of Eastern religion is Gnosticism. And there's a Christian form of Gnosticism, too. The body is bad, the spirit is good. And all the ancients were Gnostics. The Greeks were Gnostics. The Native Americans were Gnostic. I mean, everybody's a Gnostic. We're, we are all natively Gnostic. It's like our native theology. The idea that the body is bad and that the spirit is good so that when we die we're set free from the cage of our body. That's the idea of the Gnostics, that my body is what's holding me down here and I have to be released from it. The Gnostic says that when you die you're through with your body. In fact, the Gnostic think that, thinks that your body is a cage. And, and to understand Gnosticism is the way that we start to understand the sexual revolution that we're in, the phenomenon of the of the transgender revolution, even in some ways a gay marriage, or we, we want to be able to trace that back to Gnosticism, that there is a competition between my spirit and my body. And the idea is that the body can just be thrown away. In fact, I don't. I was walking around the water park a couple of summers ago and saw how everyone had tattoos. I think this is also, we've got to think about this a little bit. There's something to, to do with Gnosticism that sees my body as a tool but not really me. No, your body is really you. You are body and spirit, body and soul. <laughs> and so we're not and and we're not done with it. This by the way, it has to do with our funeral practice as well because one of the things that we have to confess at our funerals is the resurrection. That the body that's there is not that we are not done with it. That that body is the body that will be raised. It's in Germany, they called the, um, the, uh, the cemeteries God's garden because they understood that the body that was planted is the body that is raised. And in cemetery, I think, is from the Latin that has to do with sleeping quarters of a soldiers, that when we, when we die, we fall asleep, but then we will be wakened. Now, what is the resurrected body like? We don't know. Paul tells us that just like the root, I mean, you want to compare the seed to the flower that grows from the seed, so you compare, can compare the resurrected body to the body that's put in the ground. In other words, we're sown in dishonor, we're raised in glory, we're sown in, in corruption, we're raised in incorruption, that there's a continuity between the body that dies and the body that's raised, but there's also a difference. The body that raised will never die again. And that has to do with another myth that's also, how come my list doesn't even have these on there? My, the, another myth about death and dying and that is that heaven is eternal no heaven only lasts for a little bit when you die and go to heaven it's only for a little while it only lasts until Jesus comes back and then when Jesus comes back he's gonna call you up out of the grave this is also there in 
John chapter 5. I got my Bible open to John chapter 5, so I'll read you the next verse. Jesus says, For as the Son, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment. Do not marvel, I mean, now John 5, 28, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who hear, uh, all who are in the graves will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That's what Jesus, your Jesus, says. There is a resurrection coming so that when we go to heaven, it's only for a little while. Eternal life is resurrection life. So that when we go to have a Christian funeral, one of the things that we want to ask is, how can we best confess the resurrection? Now, this gets us to the topic, which is the next myth that has to do with cre cremation. And take your, uh, uh, take your uh, whatever way you want to do this myth. Cremation is a sin or cremation is a great good work or whatever. But it has to do that, that, that the confession of the resurrection has to do with how we treat the body. There's a reason that the pagans burned the bodies after they died. It's because they thought that people were through with their body. They thought the body was trash, and what do you do with trash? You, you go and burn it. The Greek word Gehenna is translated hell. It was the garbage pit that was down the hill from Jerusalem where they were always burning the trash. That's what you did with the trash. You burned it. And the pagans think that you're done with the body, so now, so now you might as well burn it. The Christian does not think that. Now, there might be other reasons why people are motivated to cremate the body that could not be sinful. Maybe there's economic reasons maybe there's space reasons people have never been to wyoming so they think we're running out of space or or maybe there's sort of mental hang-ups as we imagine what happens to the body after the grave and i'm not saying that cremation is um is always a sin but it can be it can be a sin if we think that that now we're just throwing the body away you could bury someone and sin in the same way. Just think I'm done with the body. No, you are not. With the body, you are laying to rest. There is a reason why Christian graves say R.I.P. Rest in peace. And it is because the Christian goes to the grave like we go to bed because we know that we're going to wake up. Now, will the Lord put back a body that's been burned? Yeah. Well, the, if I if I die in a fire on a boat and I'm and I burn up and then my ashes are eaten by a shark, and then my shark rots in the lava on the bottom of the ocean or whatever, can the Lord resurrect me? Yeah, He can do whatever He wants by the power with which He holds all things together. He will also give me the gift of the resurrection, so that no matter what happens to the body, ashes to ashes or dust to dust, it doesn't matter. There will be a resurrection. So we don't have to be afraid that we're going to somehow miss the resurrection if the body, if something bad happens to the body. But we have to say, how can we as Christians best confess the fact that I am not done with this body? That this body is the body that will eternally praise the Lord. That will live in the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. This very body right here. We don't want to, we want to avoid Gnosticism at all costs and confess always the resurrection. So when you die, you're through with your body? False. False. That is a myth of death and dying, which is what we're talking about on KFUO this afternoon. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller.
we got another break already. Uh, if you want to join us, this is another good time to do it. 314-821-0850. You've heard some of these myths about death and dying. 800-370-2727 is the way to call in and join the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. we got three more, uh, two or three more, I've lost track here, of uh, myths about death and dying to talk about. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. World Lutheran News, I'm just host Kip Allen. Well, it's September, and that means the start of a new school year. One group of young people, Students for Life of America, is preparing to spread the pro-life message on campus. I speak with Students for Life of America Media Director Matt Lamb on today's World Lutheran News Digest. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. Has your child swallowed your medicine, your laundry detergent, your nail polish remover? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you inhaled paint thinner, glue, pesticides? Call the Poison Helpline. Have a question about a dose, a fume, something your kid just drank? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Did you know that the city of Boston, Massachusetts was named after a church in England? Boston's history as a major center in the New World began in September 1630, named after the town of Boston, Lincolnshire, England. The city was once called Botolph's Town, named after St. Botolph, and in the 14th century, the church bearing his name was built, becoming one of the largest parish churches in England. The men who named the city were English colonists who settled in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, led by John Winthrop, who became the colony's first governor. As they sailed, Winthrop addressed them with his now famous speech, a model of Christian charity, from Matthew 5, verse 14. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Cross the Fence. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Trying to remember what we're doing here. Talk, oh, yeah, I know. We're talking about myths about death and dying. We've, we've talked about how death is not... Where are my notes? We've talked about how death is not natural. It's the enemy overcome by Jesus. We've talked about how it's not true that after death a Christian will be judged. You shall not be judged, says Jesus. We've talked about how when you die you don't become an angel. You stay a spirit without a body until the resurrection, and then you get your body back, which has to do with myth number four. When you die, you're through with your body. False. Myth number five, creation is a, cremation is a sin. It doesn't have to be. It can be. And number six, ha, here we are, number six. So uh, th this is a good one. This is one that we hear all the time. Uh, if, and by the way, uh, if you got an idea... Um, if you have thoughts, if you've heard of various different myths about death and dying, I'd love to hear from you. You can call and join the program. I've got to look at the number here. If you're in St. Louis, it's 314-821-0850. Or in the, anywhere else in the world, 
800-730-2727. That's the way to join the program. Call Stephanie. She'll get you on the show. If you've heard, if I'm missing some uh, myths, I'd love to hear it. Here is myth number six. You've heard this before. Funerals are for the living and not for the dead. I guarantee you that we would not be having a funeral unless somebody died. <laughs> now, why, why do we hear that all the time? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think that the idea behind that myth, funerals are for the living and not for the dead, is so that you can get away with all sorts of crazy stuff at a funeral. In fact, this has something to do with what the, the funeral industry is now selling people, which they say, hey, we're not, we don't want to have funerals anymore. We want to have celebrations of life. Well, okay, fine. We can celebrate life, but the Christian has a lot more to celebrate uh, and a lot more to say. You see, a celebration of life, the problem is a celebration of life looks backwards to see how things were with the person when they were living before they died. But the Christian says, hey, we want to look backwards at the person's life, all the things that they did, and we want to look at the present, how things are right now, and we want to look at the future, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The, the Christian funeral has to do with all of these things, not just with what was past, but, what with, but also the present and the future, the, one, the things that were, the things that are, and the things that shall be. Now, I think the reason why we say that the funerals are for the living and not for the dead, and, and what, by the way, is true, we should say that funerals are for the living and for the dead. It, it, the, the funeral service used to be called the rite of Christian burial, which meant that it had something to do with how we treat the body. And there is a way that the Christian church gathers together to do the good work of burying our dead, of honoring the gifts and honoring the body that God has given, that that is, in fact, a good work that we do, a service that we render to the people that we love. I remember... I remember some years ago, I went to the hospital. It was a brother pastor of mine. I went to the hospital, and he had just had a baby. He and his wife had just given birth, and the baby lived for about 45 minutes uh, before the baby died. Just absolutely terrible. And I got there just a few minutes, um, just a few minutes after the little life was over, and and I remember they looked at me and they said, Brian, what can we do now? And I said, well, the last good work that the Lord will have you do for your child until the, until the day of the resurrection is to give the baby a Christian funeral. I mean, just like a parent tenderly, gently takes their child and, and lays them down in bed so the Christian church lays down, lays down her people to rest, to sleep in the, in the Lord's name, to await the day of the resurrection. So there is a tenderness with which we treat even the body that the Lord has given to the Christian dead, and, and that, that body is, is cared for. The, the soul of the person, the spirit of the person, is with Jesus in heaven. We, they, that's beyond our help. That doesn't, the spirit no longer needs our love and our service, but the body does. 
Now, it's true that the body doesn't need a sermon. The sermon is for the people who are gathered there in church. The sermon is for those who are mourning, for family and friends. The sermon is not for the dead. They get to hear something better. They get to hear the voice of Jesus. They get to sing songs together with the angels. They don't need a sermon. <laughs> they don't need the prayers. They're already praying for us and rejoicing in the prayers of the saints in heaven itself. But we, but we, we need those things. So the funeral service is also for the living, but it is for the dead. This is this great old practice I try to do as every time that I can. The great old practice is that even after the family leaves the cemetery, the pastor will stay there and wait for the body to be, to be lowered into the grave as a picture of how Christ waits, uh, how Christ attends even our, our graves. But there's something more to it. There's something about tending to the body that is important. It's, it's part of our fight against this sort of Gnostic culture. A, f a fight against this uh, prevailing sense that the body doesn't matter. No, we want to stay there and say, hey, this body does matter. <laughs> Paul says, talking about this, I, I pulled up the text uh, 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 during the break, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, uh, he, he talks about the resurrection of the dead, and he says, if, uh, if, now Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead. I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Uh, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is empty, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he was raised up, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. And if the dead do not raise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now, did you get what Paul did there? He said, if Jesus is not raised, then those who have fallen asleep have perished. But we believe that Christ is raised from the dead, which means that those who have fallen asleep have not perished. They've fallen asleep but not died. Now, if Christ, verse 20, if Christ is risen from the dead, he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So that Jesus is the first to be raised from the dead, but not the last, just the first. And there is a crop to follow. Now, I'm not a real expert on agricultural matters in fact the my bible class my sunday school class here is always making fun of me how i'm so urban i grew up right next to a ranch in texas that is not exactly urban but nor nor is it farming nothing would grow there couldn't barely grow tomatoes anyhow but i understand that the way that this would go especially in the ancient world is that you you know you would you wouldn't be sure if your seed was good it was possible for a whole batch of seed to be bad seed and so you'd plant the seed and you'd wait for it to grow and then you'd see the first fruit you'd see the the first seed sprout and then you would know that you had a batch of good seed and that the rest of the seed would follow that the rest of the uh, the crop would come this is a great picture when paul says that jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection he, he knows that that means we're also going to come out of the grave when jesus is raised we now have the promise that we also will be raised you see how that works that we also will be raised from the dead that we also will have empty tombs that we also will come up uh, from the grave and and so this is the the great thing that we confess with a funeral that that this person here is only here temporarily that this is a temporary arrangement we could put it on our tombstones. I mean, you could come up with your own version of it. It would be great. Uh, this is just a temporary setback <laughs> because it's true. That's why the Christian can rejoice. Oh, this is the next myth and a big one. 
It's why the Christian can rejoice at funerals while we mourn. Let's just get to the myth. Myth number seven. This is the last one, and that is this. Christians should not mourn or be sad. Funerals are a celebration. We talked already about how the funeral industry wants to call everything a celebration of life, celebration, everything's a celebration, and it's fine. It is a celebration, but it is also time to be sad. We are both. Perhaps the best example of this is Jesus in in John chapter 8. Remember how uh, Jesus, or John chapter 10, Jesus learns that Lazarus has died. He says to the disciples, Lazarus is sleeping, I'm going to go wake him up. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get up on his own. And Jesus says he's, he's dead. But Jesus waits so that he doesn't get down to Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived for for four days and so he's 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 there and they the news that he's getting close uh gets to martha she runs out and says lord if you weren't if you would have been here you could have helped him and but even now i know that god will listen to you and jesus says i'm the resurrection and the life absolutely beautiful but then right there in the text it says that jesus wept it's the shortest verse in the bible jesus wept and the greek word indicates that jesus had um, that Jesus was gushing with tears. It wasn't just a, you know, wiping away a tear from the side of his face. Jesus was, Jesus was weeping. He was a he was a fountain of tears. And they look at it. All the people look at it, and they said, "Look how he loved him." I don't know if you've I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there at the deathbed and the some the person that'll dying will say to the people around there they'll say hey don't cry for me i know where i'm going now that's a nice sentiment but it's wrong it's it's good to cry if jesus cried when lazarus died then that means that it is a good work to cry jesus never sinned everything that jesus did was good was holy was right so that if jesus cried at the death of Lazarus, then our own weeping and our own crying is, in fact, a good work. Now, let me just pin that down a little bit. When you mourn because a loved one has died, you are doing a good work. It's not a sin to cry, to weep, to be sad, but rather it's a good work. Now, a small caution here. And then in addition, the caution is, the thing that we have to be careful for, because the world will tell us that, that, that sadness is a sickness that we have to recover from. You'll get over it. You know, that's, that's the, what the world says. You'll get over it. You'll, you're sad, you'll get over your sadness. Well, look, I don't, you're not supposed to get over your sadness. I mean, the person doesn't ever get less dead. Now, the, kind of the immediate pain of the suffering might go away, but it'll always come back and punch you in the gut. And you're not supposed to get over it. You don't need to get over it. The thing that you have to look out for, this is the, this is the caution, is that your mourning for the person that you love who has died that cannot get in the way of your love for those who you still have who are alive. I mean, that's, that's going to be the determining factor, is am I mourning too much? Is my mourning too, is my mourning too deep? And that is, is my mourning getting in the way of loving that the neighbors that God has given me that are too, that are still alive? You know, you know how this goes. I mean, there, there's a family and the parents, 
you know, a child dies, it's just the absolute worst that the child dies, and you ha you mourn the death of the child. But you have to be careful that you don't then neglect to love the children that are still alive. That's going to be that's going to be the line. So that's the warning. And then the addition comes. I'm going to give you the text from from Paul, First Thessalonians chapter four. Paul says, "I don't want you to be ignorant." Uh, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So that we mourn with hope. Now think about that. We don't mourn with, with a profound sadness that lacks all hope, but rather we mourn with hope. We mourn with the hope of the resurrection. We mourn with the hope of the forgiveness of sins. We mourn with the hope of the blood of Jesus. We mourn with the confidence that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we will be also, so that we confess that those that we love who have died in Christ are with Jesus. So we mix up our tears with joy. We mix up our sorrow with hope. We mix up our sadness with confidence in the Lord Jesus who has done everything to overcome death and the grave so that we might have life eternal. Now, that, now this in the end, as we take all of these seven myths about death and dying, as we take them together, what, what we start to see is that the Christian has a particularly complex view of death. Is, is death bad or is it good? We say, well, yeah. Should you mourn or should you be happy? We say, yeah. Sh should we... Um, should we care about the body or should we be free from, from sort of uh, legalistic necessity? Well, yeah, we do all these things. We recognize that death is a defeated enemy. So we fight death all our life until it's time to receive death as a gift. We recognize death is the punishment for sin, but we know that Jesus has already paid the punishment. So we are able to rejoice in the midst of death. We know that death is the enemy, so we, so we mourn those who have died, but we know that death is only asleep and that we are all awaiting the resurrection, that Jesus will come back soon for us and bring us to eternal life. And this sets us free to live. It sets us free to die. It sets us free to rejoice in the Lord all the way around. <laughs> the truth about death is that it's been overcome by Jesus. And the truth about death is that one day very soon, Jesus will come back and stand on the earth and call us forth from the grave and finally defeat that final enemy. The truth about death is that it's a very temporal arrangement. For all who believe in Jesus, eternal life is coming. Now, God be praised for that. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. You're listening to Cross Defense. You've been listening to Cross Defense for the past hour. We do this every Monday, but there's a lot more theology that's happening on YouTube and other radio stuff, some podcasts and things like that. So make sure to check out the website, wolfmuller.co, W-O-L-F-M-U-E-L-L-E-R.co. We've got a lot of free books for you to download there, so you can keep studying theology while while we're not on the air, and there's a way to contact me. I'd love to hear from you as well. So if you've got thoughts about this show or anything else that you hear, uh, please uh, kick, click that contact there and reach out to me. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And I hope to join you again next Monday. 
Again, it's Cross Defense, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, setting your imagination on fire with the comfort and the joy of God's Word. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We'll talk to you next week. Listening to Cross Defense, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO.